Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with... Elizabeth Helley. And... Tyler Hymanson. And before we go any further, we have a very special guest with us today. We have the editor from The Purge, Pete Gavazdas, with us. Pete, thanks for being here. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, so we're kicking off a brand new franchise here. My favorite episodes are kicking off franchise episodes. We get to mm. kind of get new characters, get new things. I'm super excited. Yeah. To get into this dystopia. <laughs> That's right. So it's without... actually a documentary <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. from the future. So without uh, further ado, let's commence the trailer for The Purge. the trailer man things are getting intense in america praise be <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so uh you know we've got pete here with us uh who edited the film and you know why don't you just give us a little background on how you got into editing like what brought you to this this project i lived in the washington dc area mm-hmm. and i was working in sports and news as an editor and a friend was at a main film school and shot a short film and called me to cut it. And that was my first experience doing narrative. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And started talking about what would it be like to work on this full time or like work in Hollywood. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, kind of got tired of that and said, <laughs> enough talking and why don't you go do it? So I came out here and went to the ACE lecture series, the American Cinema mm-hmm. Editors. Mm. And learned a lot of information from them. And then within a year moved. I started out doing uh, reality documentaries. And then got into the union and started out as an apprentice. Worked as an assistant, first assistant, uh, visual effects editor, 3D editor. And I'd had some history at Bay Films and got a call from Platinum Dunes, his production company. And they gave me this awesome opportunity. That's fantastic. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, Overnight success, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) Years in the making. Absolutely. You just tripped into the editor's (laughs) bay. No, that's... Saw the door snuck in. That's right. right. (laughs) Just started working the machine. That's great. Uh, So early on when you were doing some of the news stuff and editorial, what were you cutting on? Like, what was kind of your process? Was it always kind of offline or online or... or... When you're getting dailies or... When when you, no, when you were, when you first started out just... uh, uh, Working in the reality stuff. Working in reality stuff, yeah. 
Yeah, I was working as an assistant, and it was a night job. Mm-hmm. And we only had one Avid, if you guys know what Avids are. Mm-hmm. So the editor worked the day shift. I worked the night shift from like 7 to, I don't know, 4 or 5 in the morning. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. Oof. laughs> like I said, overnight success. Yeah, <laughs> Literally <laughs> overnight. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, getting into the Purge film, do you want to talk a little bit more about this film specifically? Or is there anything more about the background of like kind of leading into narrative? Or was this the first narrative film that you cut? Or This was the first yeah, film that I was the lead editor. Wow. Yeah. I'd done some additional editing on some films, but this was like the first one where you're it. Man. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> so, yeah, that's super that's, was excited. That, was that kind of nerve-wracking? I mean, this is yeah. actually, there's a lot of really interesting editorial things in this film that, that are incredibly tricky, and we can get into those when we get to talking about the film, oh, sure. but when you first got the news where you're like, oh, man, I can do this, where you're like, oh, no, like, I, now I'm in the spotlight. I have to, I have to. <laughs> yeah, I had confidence I can do it. But, sure. But at the same time, you're like, all right, now you have to. Absolutely. This is why you moved here. These guys are giving you the huge break. Like, it's time to deliver. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, well, why don't we uh, start diving into the movie a little bit here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what you guys think. I'm sure everyone thinks this, but like <laughs> the the main like premise behind the Purge and the series as a whole is like I think one of the like best premises that has come out <laughs> in in the past like few years. It's it's sure. like it's genius. I think it's genius, and there's just it leaves so much room open for storytelling. Um, so the the basic premise is that. Uh, the new founding fathers of America mm-hmm. have uh, instituted something called the Purge. And does anyone want to explain what the Purge well, is? First of all, the basic premise of the movie is that we're all violent animals. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to go yeah. super macro. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that we need, to, we need to let these aggressions out. And this new government, in their wisdom, has created an, e- an evening once a year where everyone can just release their violent instincts. It's a healthy, normal thing to want to murder. <laughs> and, and, they, uh, and so they've sanctioned it. And so for one night a year, you get to, to do anything under a class four weapon. Weapon, which we don't necessarily know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's not just murder. So Anything. if someone's like, I just you want, could, I, just I, want I, to I launder all this money. Yeah. I just, I like my neighbor's dog and I want it to be my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I have now stolen the dog and they can't do anything I about it. The one loophole here is that, you know, the purge, it takes place on March 22nd. Like you can commit tax fraud. Just buy oh, your yeah. taxes early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like how they, you know, yeah, they, they say all crime is legal, including murder. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Not to be like a downer, but like as a woman, I was immediately like, wait, so everybody can just rape everybody now? But of course, they don't even touch that. That, that is implied, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, it. It does maybe, say maybe, all crime. Maybe future films. Oh, God. I hope not. I hope not. I hope yeah, not. I yeah. Well, no, I yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't but yeah, know. even in this first film, um, although they don't dive into it completely, there are... it's. There are some people already saying, like, well, the real reason the purge is happening is to kill off poor people, like, so yeah. that there's less people on Earth, basically. Yeah, the, the beginning of this movie, uh, uh, so the movie sets uh, is kind of, like, based around this whole family. Um, but the beginning of the movie does, like, a lot of world building. Mm-hmm. And, like, throughout the movie, you get little glimpses of, like, what this America is like now. And I was like eating all that stuff up. Like, yeah, there's, there's a choice made really early on that it, to make it like, let's make it seem as normal as possible. So yeah. like the, the style of the film starts very sunny and, and it almost feels like a, a, I don't know, like a, like a, 
after after school special type like like they're, they're a cookie cutter type normal suburban yeah. family. And we do get a, a log line there that says that it's 2022. Did mm-hmm. we mention mm-hmm. that? Okay. No, we didn't. So it, yeah. so yeah, it's it's in the future, but not so distant that we can't really feel like right. It's, you know, it re- feels like present day, basically. Yeah. And so in terms of when you guys are putting the edit together and, and kind of doing that early world building, like what were mm-hmm. some of the choices of trying to make it? Because the pacing of this film is actually really interesting. It's it's pretty slow burn. There's also like these suspense vignettes that kind of have to build on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of early on when you guys were starting, what choices were you making in terms of, of how you were assembling that kind of... Well, for example, that opening drive sequence, mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke driving home, that was the original title sequence. Hmm. And it just felt like at that point you want the story to start. You don't want to have to see titles. So then we created the the piece before that, which mm-hmm. is like a standalone main title mm-hmm. sequence. And that was let's get ugly, violent images mm-hmm. and counter it with really pretty classical music. Right. <laughs> so I built the first mock-up and I used the song Claire de Lune, mm-hmm. which was the song I walked actually down the aisle to uh, oh, wow. <laughs> with my wife and but I always liked that song and she liked it so I threw it in and it worked and the director's like that's great let's keep it and I was thinking oh, my wife is <laughs> why did you just ruin our wedding song <laughs> oh my god but uh, luckily she was super cool it's like no it's fine go, go for it <laughs> yeah so but then we got nervous because then the scene with Ethan in the car it was shot kind of fragmented and jumpy and mm-hmm. even the dialogue and what was happening because it was designed as like a title sequence and mm-hmm. we're like can this work as a scene and it took a little bit to kind of make it feel like a standalone scene yeah i thought it worked really well yeah, yeah absolutely. i love like the yeah i love contrasting like one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written with like just horrifying images <laughs> like yeah. I, I you know when that started playing i was like this is genius is yeah. i love it i love it uh you mentioned ethan hawk so we should mention that he's the star of this movie and mm-hmm. uh then we have uh Lena, Lena Heedy. Heedy. Did we decide that's what it was? Yeah. Okay. Lena Heedy, Cersei as the mom. Yep. And the kid from Parenthood. Yes. <laughs> and the girl from Rain. <laughs> yeah. Um, Max from Parenthood. Yeah. yeah. That was the child star check-in because anyone can go on IMDb and look at what they're doing. It's not that exciting. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it's hard when we do these more recent movies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's Everyone's true. like, they're still kids. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's it for me. Bye. <laughs> and she never talked again. Uh, so you kind of get the the younger son uh, in this family. The, I mean, there, there's some other, like, subplots going on within the family. But you yeah. can tell that he's kind of the one who's like, wait, like, why are we doing this? Yeah. I get it. He's kind of the moral compass of the yeah. family. Yeah. 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 We should and, say, oh. Oh, I, the movie takes great pains to show that this is a loving, caring family. Like they, they Ethan Hawke, they have a family dinner, and like he's at like, "How was your day?" And doing a very mm-hmm. like they're, they're, you're supposed to like these people, like, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot. Like, they're, they're trying to make you. There's nothing ominous about them. It's just like we're just good, patriotic, you know, loving family, and this is just what happens. Well, but yeah, it's a little bit morally complicated since he is the salesman of the security mm-hmm. systems that everyone, all the rich people, are using to mm-hmm. lock their mm-hmm. homes. So. Uh, one thing that I want to make sure that we mention early on, there's a scene uh, in the kitchen when uh, the mom, Mary, is cooking and she sees a report about the purge on TV. And so you got to tell us about that and how that came yeah. about. And... Yeah, it's actually me on the television. Yes, it is. <laughs> so originally it was a purge commercial, like a PSA okay. that we shot and that we had visual effects comp it in. 
and after a test screening, we got a couple people saying you have people in the fi- or people in the film say, "Oh, look at all the good the purge does," and they were saying, "But what good does the purge do?" Like you're not really explaining that mm. for us. So the director said, "All right, that's a moment early in the film where we can get some of this information in. Let's pull out that commercial and put in like a 60 minute style uh, sit down interview." And so he wrote it up and just you know just to get like a proof of concept, they recorded me. We popped it in. It, it was kind of working. We left it in for another screening. It worked fine, and it just lived there. And then everyone forgot about it. That's and awesome. then we're getting near the end of the movie, and I'm thinking, well, we have to get right that done properly, uh, like shot correctly, uh-huh. visual effects and. The director and producer was like, well, your performance is fine, so let's just, we'll shoot you for real. So they brought a crew down, lit it, we did like a real interview, and had visual effects put it in, and yeah, I'm in the film. That's awesome. So that was the beginning of your acting career then. Yeah. (laughs) An overnight success. Yeah. That's that's really fun. And yeah. uh, the doctor, they left your first name in there, too. So. My first name, the last name, is my grandmother's maiden name. Wow, that's oh, so cool. Nice. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Dr. Peter Bynick. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, then uh, moving on in the movie, um, Charlie, the boy, we discover that he's got a robot that is the uh, the baby from Toy Story, and it drives around the house. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> What's his name? Timmy? Timmy. His Timmy. name's Timmy. And he loves vintage music. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he loves creepy music from yeah. the 1920s. <laughs> and um, That song is weird, you guys. Yes. Uh, it has a camera, and so we discover that a lot of footage will be seen from the point of view of this robot. Mm-hmm. So... Um, how did you guys decide to incorporate that throughout the film? They shot like a bunch of scenes with it. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, when do we want to see it? When do we need to see it? And it was a lot of trial and error. And is it too much? Initially, we tried to make it creepy. Like you don't know what's watching her or what's mm-hmm. following her. Mm-hmm. Oh, you realize it's this like demented doll toy. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of set up that that. It does that scene where you're not supposed to know what's watching her, and it kind of sets up it as a creepy point of view. Mm-hmm. And then there's some different scenes. Like, there's a scene that I, it's probably my favorite in the film, and I think it probably was pretty tricky to assemble. It's when, uh, I mean, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, it's it's when uh, the purge has started, and there's a, a guy outside who's helpless, and they've let him inside the house. Yeah. And there's a point where where uh, the, the premise is, is that, is that, uh, a group of, of purges have come out and they've been hunting this guy and they say either let him like bring him out here or we're going to kill you and your family mm-hmm. and Ethan Hawke has decided alright well we're, we got to find this guy and so there's this kind of classic going through the house in the dark with flashlights suspense sequence but it's unclear who you're actually rooting for and who's chasing who and the, there is some of that from the, the doll's perspective POV shots in there that kind of balance it and give it this creepy tone but it's a chase sequence when you're not really sure who's chasing who Mm -hmm. and so i think that it it was really fascinating to watch how that came together and i think that it must have been pretty difficult to put together in the edit room yeah because you have to somehow convince this stranger in the house that this doll is his adversary Mm -hmm. and how to communicate that on screen to an audience because the he had talked about earlier how I silenced all the motors. You can't hear this thing driving right. through the house, which allows him to sneak up behind him. Mm-hmm. You don't know at that point what Charlie wants to do with this device. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have any way of verbally communicating, like, hey, I'm going to actually help you. 
Right. And he's just flashing lights. And luckily, it just kind of, you kind of get it. Mm -hmm. And that character gets and acknowledges to the camera. So yeah, I was picking those pieces. Absolutely. It, it's all, it's just like, how do we tell the story so it makes sense? And yeah, and hopefully you're rooting for Charlie too. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Save, save this man's depending life. Depending on, yeah. And, and, and that's how it comes through. But like, that's that's kind of the amazing balance of the scene where you're kind of like, what, like, what is he doing? What happens? And there's some just really nice, um, like the creepiness that comes from the point of view and not knowing, but there's some mixed in with some nice performance moments that really sell it and, and kind of takes you on this journey that not easy to communicate visually. Yeah. And then intercutting with the mother searching the home mm-hmm. and him navigating this guy to his closet. and Yeah. Um, and and to, it's to the point where it almost flips. And there's a couple of reversals and sequences like this where you're like, oh, like, I don't want her to find him. Like, that's <laughs> the, it's, it's a very, and yeah. you kind of don't realize it happens, you know, until you're three quarters away through the sequence. Yeah. Um, just to jump back, the way that this homeless guy gets in, Charlie lets him in, basically, because he feels bad for him. Uh, and I also thought it was funny, this character never gets named anything but Bloody Stranger, like even in the <laughs> yeah. credits and IMDb and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, I was mad about that, because I was like, uh, why would you let this guy in? Yeah. It can only be bad, yeah. I mean, we've likely. established that he's a unique kid. He doesn't right. follow his parents' directions. Like I, the, I, yeah. I might not have given the kid the disarm code for, yeah, right. <laughs> for, the, for the million dollar security system <laughs> yeah. that protects everyone's lives. And do kind you of. let humanity take over in those moments? When you see someone in need outside your home, right? yeah, I mean, pleading for help, you trust that person. That's true. It's it is tricky because you don't know. It yeah. makes sense that is a this ki- person going to bring harm into my home, yeah. or are they being? Uh, and it does make sense that like a kid would make that decision. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. uh, it's more believable, I think. Yeah, like, most adults would probably be like, no, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can't trust. <laughs> I didn't see that. It, guy. It, it is weird because the, the 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 movie leans into so hard in the beginning of of. This is an accepted thing. It's normal. It's great. Everybody's on board. And as the movie goes on, you realize that the, the Sanded family hasn't really thought about it all that much. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, never affected it's them. Never, well, and they've yeah. become rich off of right. it. And, yeah. it's, and it's never affected them. And so I think that, you know, there, there is a, a youth. It, it is interesting how, how the movie treats young people and young people and, and how they, they've been indoctrinated to the purge or not. Because the main people that are trying, the main aggressors throughout the movie that are trying to get the man out of the house, the masked people that you seen in the trailer and everything else. Yeah. I mean, they're basically the Young Republicans Club. <laughs> I literally, I literally yeah, wrote Young Republicans Club yeah, in yeah, my notes. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little scary. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, but it's it's not you know these 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 forces of old and evil. It's these people who have totally bought into this, and yeah. so like maybe maybe their son is somebody who has a little bit more humanity and humility in him. Uh, but it, it does kind of like when he makes that choice. Because the movie leans so hard into like, well, this is just how everybody like, like lives their lives. It's a little bit like, well, why is it doing that? Thing? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and they do make some comment like when they're starting to get it, like see everybody outside. They're like, stuff like this doesn't happen in this neighborhood. Yeah, in this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the little boy lets the bloody stranger inside. But the reason he's able to get you know out of the foyer is because the daughter's boyfriend springs out of nowhere with a gun trying to kill the dad because he won't let them date because he's that was, not old enough. Yeah. Or she's not old enough and he's 18. 
But one thing I read, um, and this, again, IMDb trivia, so grain of salt, and maybe you can tell us if this is true, uh, Pete, is that originally the director, James, a director and writer, James DeMonaco, um, wanted it to be the daughter actually trying to kill her father, but the studio said no, and so instead they brought in this boyfriend character to do I, it. I, I think I heard of that, but, okay. but I don't think I ever read a script or a version. Mm, got I, it. I know they never shot it that way. Sure. Yeah. It, it does feel kind of like a weird turn of events like because yeah. he's so like oh i'm just gonna go talk to him and we can finally hash it out man I to mean, man that, that's a loophole of the purge though that's true. I, the, the one thing that is strange is that after it ha- after she pulls the gun like she runs upstairs with him and it's <laughs> yeah. like oh is he okay and it's, i'd be like what the fuck you tried to kill my dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like it's like, like hey we're 16 and 18 i don't want to date you that what bad was his, like you know <laughs> what was that kid's goal he's gonna kill he's gonna kill her dad and then they're gonna run off together she's gonna be in love with him she's gonna be that. so happy like thank you finally he forgot that the purge ended yeah <laughs> yeah so uh so anyways that boyfriend got killed but the point is is that then the bloody stranger <laughs> is now in the, in the house yeah. yeah 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 but yeah. like you know as a surprise right yeah, that, that was actually one of the most challenging scenes oh, okay. to get right because it was a longer scene mm-hmm. when the parents confront Charlie at the door with this stranger. There's like a one-sided conversation where they're trying to figure out who he is. And he won't answer any questions. He's just silent. Mm-hmm. Why did Charlie do this? He's trying to explain why he did this. And then all of a sudden, Henry shows up on the stairs. And it's, well, how did he get in the house? And why are you here? And, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. and it was just, it was too much talking. It was starting to deflate the tension. Mm-hmm. And I remember one morning, the director came in and he goes, this is how it's got to work. This moment especially when Henry's got the gun, it's a punch to the face to the audience. It's just, whoa, where did that come from? So then we just really condensed it, and it was the guy gets in the house, they confront him, Ethan pulls the gun, now the kid shows up, he's got a gun, and everything's shooting. Yeah, I did love that, like, you know, they're so protected against, like, outside forces that, you know, they had, they were not even thinking about anything coming from inside, and so it is, like, a crazy yeah. surprise. I'm curious, like, and how to make that work, because it does work so well. Did you have to go back and adjust the scenes uh, beforehand to have him so he's not telegraphing as much that he has ill intent uh, uh, to Yeah, hurt? yeah, you're, you're looking at performances, you want him to feel like he is on the daughter's side, mm-hmm. and he's going to legitimately talk to the dad. Mm-hmm. And try to sway him. Yeah, because you have no idea with each other. And, <laughs> and then it becomes when do you introduce him leaving that bedroom? Right. And when do you introduce Charlie hitting the disarm mm. button? And it's it's like a puzzle. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the stranger's in the house. He is. Dun, and dun, dun. Uh, now he's hidden, so they can't just kick him right out. But, yeah, instead uh, of like acting like a nice, innocent guy, he yeah. goes sneaking around. And so <laughs> you're, you're like, wait, is this a good guy? What was right. he running from? Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then we get the freaks, or the young Republicans. Yes. They come to the front door, and uh, thankfully the family has that ring doorbell. No, they have a security system. They do have a ring doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're able to see. Um, so the freaks are wearing these, like, creepy plastic surgery lady masks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but their leader just looks like that naturally. <laughs> He's not even wearing a mask. And, I thought that uh, was great casting. You're like, who? Let's, we need to cast someone who has a like, charismatic like Cheshire cat smile. Yeah. And I was like, that guy looks creepy. Yeah. Right. And he is the complete opposite. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's an Australian and he's just like this young, handsome guy, super laid back and like funny. And then he just turns on this 
insanity. Oh, man. Oof, when yeah. It's yeah. That's so great. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> so, yeah, then that sets up kind of the main premise that gets us through a huge portion of the movie is that we got to find this homeless guy, kick him out so that these guys won't kill us. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, so they've got that ultimatum. Um, and so during this whole part, we, we get all these shots of the freaks, like, hanging out in the uh, front yard and stuff and Charlie and everyone's watching them on the screen and they keep like pointing keep their guns at the stuff, cameras. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're they're like making out with the masks yeah. over their faces. They're, I swear they're there's... riding on the swing. They're just doing like generally creepy. I don't know if you guys saw things. this, but I swear there's one shot where it shows these dudes on the, on the yard and I swear there's a guy like doing a yo-yo in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, there is, the right? Yeah. I was like, is that guy just play with a yo-yo? Like, yeah. Scary. They're just doing like these mundane creepy things just because they don't give a fuck. I so guess. was there just like a ton of B-roll with that or was there yeah, specific shots? Yeah, we knew that the security system was a big part mm-hmm. of, of the film, especially when they're in their security room. So it was, okay, how many cameras would this system really have? And then based on that, what angles would you put, would someone really put these at? So we tried to real, realistically put them in real angles. And then what action do we have to recreate mm-hmm. that? And so, yeah, to answer your question, there, there was a lot of yeah. B-roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, this one here? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes it's like a quad monitor. Other times mm-hmm. we decide to bring things full screen. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of that stuff, just because of the visual language of the movie, there's sometimes where it seems like it's kind of like, and I think the movie does an amazing job of balancing out that security footage. And but when you're, you're kind of getting the, with the pacing, it seems like it's a it's a good device to be like, all right, well, we need a little transition here. We need something to space it out. Like, let's get, you know, we can have, throw some of this B-roll here. Yeah, we would do that a couple times. It's something that it seems like it's a very good organic kind of, not Band-Aid's the wrong word, but it's a, a, a transition. Mm-hmm. And I think it does it really well. Yeah. We actually um, had one listener question uh, oh, yeah, from yeah. friend of the show, Val. And she was hoping that we would ask you, um, because the film takes place all completely just in this one house like how how do you edit it to build up suspense when they're really just kind of running around in circles in the same area over and over again i mean that's a credit to james's script Mm. that that he just keeps things moving and no one gets to just settle and like have a moment yeah as soon as someone relaxes then something will break or something (laughs) turns off or someone you know presents new information so yeah, that's really the script. Okay. And then how do you kind of um show like the the geography of the house, like the layout so that people kind of know where everybody is? Yes. Well, some of that's done early on mm-hmm. where you are meeting characters, but you're seeing Ethan come home and come through his front door and how does that connect to the kitchen and wh- what's that relation to the staircase that takes him to the upstairs where bedrooms are and where is So yeah, as Hopefully that stuff's starting to settle mm-hmm. in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the, like the layout of the house. Okay. And luckily, it's. I mean, it's, it, it actually it was a big home. Yeah, but it's not like crazy supersized mm-hmm. where you're going to get lost in it. Okay, cool. But it's still big enough and dark enough when the lights out that you could hide. Yeah, uh, right. and you, you, yeah, you, you could evade being captured. Was most of it shot at the one location, or yeah, the entire thing was shot oh, wow. in that house. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a. It's in Chatsworth. Yeah. It's kind of near where Topanga hits the 118. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's right in that area. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, the whole thing was shot there. Getting back to his point. Yeah, there was, there was, oh, go ahead. Just, sorry to interrupt you. There was a couple uh, additional days that we shot on sound stages. 
Sure. Like like the scene in the uh, with the pool table. Oh uh-huh. yeah, the yeah. big fight scene. I big fight scene. That, that was done yeah. on stage. That, that, I was gonna say that was the one room in the house. I was like, well, where was that room? Hiding? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next to the creepy basement. It was funny when they first showed that room. I was like. Oh, cool. They got a pinball machine. And then one second later, he slams the guy into the pinball machine and it shatters everywhere. And I was like, oh, I wanted to play it. Yeah. Uh, I want to get back to, to his point about how the script just does move along. And one of my favorite moments in the movie is like, you know, and nobody gets to, as soon as everybody thinks they're in a safe space, another piece of information is offered or something's there. And it's in that same sequence where you kind of don't know who's chasing who and who you're actually rooting for at this point. And it's when, uh, the homeless man gets into the, the the crawl space, and then we see mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, Lena Headey you know moving through the house, and then we cut back to him, and he's worried about the flashlight turns it off, but then you see he has a giant knife, yeah, and then you're like, okay, well, I really don't want her to find him, but I don't want you know like I don't know who's gonna hurt who, who but just introducing the knife is a really great kind of. It, it, it just moves everything forward in a way that, yeah. that it's like, oh, it's more information. Like, I, now I don't really don't know what's supposed to happen. Yeah, and you, and you never really know until almost the very end whether or not this guy is like, he could also be a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah, he doesn't speak, so you're not right. entirely sure his yeah. motives. Yeah, and he and he's like always hidden for most of the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. So. And you've learned he's killed one of these That's right. the other purgers. Yeah. yeah. So right. you know he's capable of violence. Um, at some point, um, he gets a hold of the daughter kind of as a hostage and Ethan Hawke's trying to get her back. And that's when, uh, Ethan Hawke and Lena, Haiti, Mary, uh, they kind of are able to get a hold of this guy and they start duct taping into a chair. And that then comes the whole like intense scene where we're all arguing about like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say about yeah, that Yeah, that was sequence. actually one of my... Favorite scenes, yeah. Even though it's really dark and disturbing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the first scenes that was shot. It was uh, I put it together and found it very tense, mm-hmm. and I thought James did an amazing job, like staging it and getting mm-hmm. the performances. And it was I wanted to show it to him right away. <laughs> yeah. So it was the first thing he ever saw. It might have been the only scene he saw during production. Oh wow! But <laughs> he was like super static, and he's like, "Oh my goodness, this is I'm feeling the tension." Uh, the actors were killing it. Like, this is great. But yeah, it, is, it was a difficult scene. Yeah. I loved I loved in that scene, uh, the bloody stranger starts to kind of like escape a little bit because he's, he's, t- he's got uh, duct tape around his arms and legs, but he's still can like get free from this chair. And he's like writhing around and Ethan Hawke's trying to hold him down. And he's like, Ethan Hawke's like, Mary, get the knife and, and, and touch his wound because he has a wound on his chest. Yeah. And he's like, touch his wound. And she takes it and like instead of touching the wound, she's like, stab! <laughs> and then it's like, touch his wound again! Stab! And I was like, oh my God, he said like, like touch it, not make it bigger. <laughs> go big or go home, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it totally worked. I mean, to me, like, this sequence is the entire movie. And yeah. like, it makes sense. So that, like, that was the, the scene, like, the only thing you saw during production. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. It was the first thing you guys shot. And I think it does a really, um, like, there's so many reaction shots that you have to put in. And reaction shots that you don't necessarily uh, uh, read. And then you there's all this intense action that's happening. And it's kind of this culmination of seeing the two kids and and his wife and and as like the more reaction shots the more humanity builds as the audience you start to question it as well Mm -hmm. and it doesn't become sappy it 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 evolves really organically of them just being like why why like look at yourself why is this happening yeah and you kind of there's an adrenaline and 
tension to the scene that it kind of when it gets diffused, it's like, yeah, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, like uh, that one scene encapsulates all the main questions of the movie. Like, <laughs> you know, Charlie's asking his parents earlier in the movie, like, would you guys ever purge? Like, have you ever wanted to purge? Right. Like, and so, yeah, this one scene shows that like, okay, maybe, it, maybe you say you don't want to, but in certain situations you might just like lose that tiny yeah. bit of humanity yeah. and just do whatever it needs to be done. Yeah. And I love that they like questioned that afterwards. Like yeah. Mary is really upset about the whole so, thing. So the result of this whole confrontation is that now they've changed sides and they're gonna all try to kill the freaks instead of uh, surrendering the uh, bloody stranger. Which I personally think sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you got you got one person who knows how to use a gun, another person who probably could use it but isn't super great, and then yeah. you give a gun to a kid. <laughs> And, and the and, daughter is knocked out. Yeah, yeah, and, and a concussed daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah. the daughter's concussed. Yeah, I forgot So you're like, that. I don't think your odds are super great. There's like, I don't know, 15 of them or something. Sure. Yeah. But um, they break in. Yeah, the whole time the freaks have been saying like, our provisions are on the way. As soon as I get here, we're going to be able to break down your thing. And I love, there's another scene I love too that like uh, earlier on um, when he says that um, Mary is asking James, uh, Ethan Hawke's character, like, this is your system, right? It's it's totally it's totally fine, right? We're safe, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. we're totally safe. Uh, it's it's past ninety nine percent of the the trials, and like it's totally fine. And then like the very next scene, he's like, okay, listen, they can, they can totally get in here, definitely for sure. Yeah, they, here's seven they, different they, ways yeah, they, they could take a tunnel. They could get a battering ram. Yeah, it's just like they could smoke like, us out. I yeah, like that yeah, one. Yeah. Like, but you sell these. You sold security. It's like yes. I know. I just told okay. you that it was fine, but really, no, no. it's not. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Which I thought was great. Are you familiar with the term snake oil? <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. They, the the dudes like just attach chains to the these yeah. giant steel things that came down over all the doors and rip them off pretty easily. It and seems this is this is the thing for for future. Well, and like again, I, I have a few purge rules that I wanna I wanna get mm. off my chest here because I feel like <laughs> like even Hawk's driving home and he's like it's like oh sixty two minutes to the purge starts and it's like. I would give myself more time. <laughs> LA traffic, no, like sixty-two minutes is way too close. Uh, but also, if you have and like, and then her boyfriend's thing over is like, oh, like twenty minutes to the purge starts. Like, better climb out this window and <laughs> yeah. climb her home. You're like, uh, do, do people really honor that time frame? <laughs> yeah. Is it like each year the purge gets a little longer? But, if, <laughs> but so there's a point where, where Ethan Hawke's looking for like looking at yachts in this movie, and he's like, "Ooh, like this boat has a, like has a garage." And it's like if you have this crazy security system, and I get like you don't want people in the house. Like if you if you want that, and maybe we'll see this in, in future in future purge movies. But like in Penetral Panic Room, like have yeah. a, have you, yeah. you you have your. Well, he yeah. kind of admits that it's you know really more for intimidation and right, show than right, anything else. Which right. like I hate to break it to everybody, but isn't that kind of what all yeah, security says, systems are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And things like this don't happen in our neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So like they, you they, just don't. It's like they haven't thought about it in the way that could possibly affect them. It's like it's something that other people do. Like it's fine. It's patriotic, but like we choose not to, and that's fine. It doesn't involve us. Yeah, which yeah. I think is a, a you know. It's certainly saying more, but my <laughs> dumb logic brain is like, panic room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Complete lockdown. Uh, so when I told some of my friends that we were doing this movie, I hadn't seen it yet. And everybody said, yeah, I remember that I liked it, but that there's something that happens like in the third act. I don't remember what it was, but that's when they lost me or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so then... <laughs> 
when it gets to the point where the freaks make it in the house and then uh, the main guy just stabs Ethan Hawke right like with a oh. giant machete right and I was like oh that's that's probably what it was I like that scene I like that uh, scene yeah, I don't know. And, and it happens right after a pretty awesome action sequence yes the I whole pool was, table situation which was crazy fun to cut uh, because yeah like there, there's a bunch of the freaks inside the house and Ethan Hawke has like I, it's just like a shotgun that has a giant handle on top of it I was like it. that is a badass that's, shotgun yeah it's awesome yeah, yeah, so uh, we, we got that shotgun and it wasn't even released to the public uh-huh. Oh, damn. God. But, but yeah, but the manufacturer let us put it in the film. And I remember seeing it in the dailies <laughs> in the scene where he gets a handgun out when they lock the house. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's a cool looking shotgun. Look at that. <laughs> and luckily we used it later in the film. Um, the the pool. Okay, so to go back, you had mentioned yeah. when you saw the, the scene at the dinner table. Yes. You're like, oh, we, like, you like this family. They're a good family. So initially audiences didn't like Ethan. Mm-hmm. And they really yeah. wanted to like Ethan. And he was a little more abrasive mm-hmm. as a character. A little more abrasive to his kids and his wife. And a little more uh, absorbed with, gotta make the money, gotta mm-hmm. sell stuff. And so we took that note and like surgically went through the film. And looked at how he spoke to people. Uh, what were his mannerisms off camera. And we just added smiles and lightened his uh, delivery Hmm. And and even omitted some lines to make him more likable. So I'm glad that you felt like this family's yeah. likable. Because <laughs> there, there's still this some tension with the kids. Sure. Like the yeah. daughter is a little irritated with them. But um, so we we did a lot of that on its own. And then we realized, okay, we're going to need like a hero moment. Because mm. um, he, he always got stabbed. Hmm. But um, he initially, I think if you remember, he, he shoots a guy in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he walks around the corner. That's where he got stabbed initially. Oh, okay. wow. We then added the scene in the pool table to one you know we get the shotgun back so we yeah really use that sure but give him like a badass hero moment yeah he's protecting his family well and then before the the lead um freak comes in ethan Hawke looks at these bodies and you can tell he has this moment of like ah oh, crap what have i done like a remorse <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically almost like young kids yeah, yeah he's like yeah. i killed these people but you, you can see it in his eyes and he's like but my family but you know yeah, death yeah. and yeah. yeah but before he gets stabbed i personally thought it was cool because i wasn't expecting of course the main character to be off like that yeah so, and it's, yeah. it's so shocking after he, like he just had that big hero moment like you said mm-hmm. yeah using that video game shotgun <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but it gives it gives weight to his choice of of really feeling the remote of, of him seeing what the purge for what it is, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that, that that gives the the I think that there there's a reason that I could see the performance choice of him being a little bit more abrasive, a little bit more ignorant, and that's really the type of person that there is. But I think that there's a cathartic moment of of him seeing the error of it and and fighting for something that's against it uh, that that works just as well. But it's a really interesting kind of. Because initially he's just profiting off of all yeah, that. he's just yeah. profiting off of that, and and I, I like it's one of those notes that you hear is like oh he's not likable, but I feel <laughs> like that uh, usually you disagree with those type of things, or I, I I do, but I think that it does make a a stronger film. Yeah, it also helps lead to almost like one of the <laughs> most messed up endings. Yes. Doesn't quite go all the way. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Before we get to that, we have actually our first sponsor. Oh, yes. This week. Yay. We are being sponsored for the first time by the lovely people at Vorail. Uh, you can find them at www.vorail.com. They make a product called the Podcast Companion. Um, it's for those of you out there who may be visually impaired in some way. 
it's a it's a new uh, I guess like device. a gadget yeah. device, yeah, that allows you to uh, interact with podcasts using a dial without having to you know use a computer or anything, and also it has this great feature where. Uh, people who listen to the podcast can ask questions through this uh, device and then you can respond right back to the device and kind of like use it as a fun way to communicate and reach new people in your city and across the globe. And it's just really uh, something excited that we're, you know, we're excited that they're sponsoring us and we're, you know, we're going to be on the platform so people can listen to us on there. And, And they are very interested in your feedback, your listener feedback, our listener feedback, your friends' feedback. Um, if you can just take one moment to go to their website, www.vorail.com, that's V-O-R-A-I-L.com, and take a very short survey. It asks literally like four questions. <laughs> if, it's really like one it's question like, and your if name. If it's five, you're going to have to take back that literally. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, what's your name, your email, favorite <laughs> podcast, and a very... Swift question. Well, that's easy because you already know your name and email and obviously your, your favorite, favorite podcast, podcast. is yeah, Sequel Rice. Of course. <laughs> so uh, we're just asking that you guys take two seconds out of your day to go fill out this survey. It would really help them kind of get a better feel of what people are looking for and how people would like to use their product, the podcast companion. Um, so again, that website is www.vorail.com. Check it out. Let's get back to it. Yeah. We're almost at the end. Almost, we are. Almost. So... Uh, Ethan Hawke has pretty much bit the dust at this point, and uh, his families are all around him. By a very large knife. This knife is Yeah, it's giant. huge. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, everyone in this movie has the biggest knives yeah. and the biggest, <laughs> fattest machetes. I, I feel like, I feel like the, the, the main people that profit from the purge are knife and tape manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you make, if you make a packing tape or a duct tape, purge is great business for you. Well, and guns. And guns. Yeah. Sure. That goes without saying. Uh, yeah. You guys asked about the class four weapon. Uh Yes. We never explained specifically what that means, but it kind of alluded to you can't use a nuclear weapon. Right. Sure. Uh, Okay. okay. (laughs) You can't just nuke a city. (laughs) That's good. That's that's probably a pretty good rule. All right. All right, new founding fathers. Good on you. Good on you. Um, I I I love the the end of the Cleveland. Yeah. Mass murder. Yeah. He's like, all right, Golden State, no more championships. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Last ring for Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so let's talk about the ending of this movie a little yeah. bit. Yeah. The, the ending kind of, uh, you know, shortly after this uh, big where, where scene where Ethan Hawke gets stabbed, we kind of start this, like, Deus Ex Machina train of... Yeah. <laughs> of the movie takes an even harder right. Yeah. <laughs> we see that um, some unknown people... Well, I don't know if you know who they are right away. Uh, you, you recognize the neighbors uh, when they in the security footage. Yeah, I thought that's who they yeah. were, but I kind of was like... I was like, I was like oh, it's the cookie They don't, they don't yeah. reveal themselves yes. right away. They kill off the remaining freaks. Yeah. Right. And then uh, the family is like, holding the body, and they're like, what the heck happened? And then the rest of the... All the neighbors come in. Yeah. Uh, she just wanted her plate back. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's true. Hate it when people don't give back yeah. that Tupperware. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so they're like uh, about to get killed by all the uh, by the polite leader, and yeah. these neighbors come in and shoot him up like full of bullets. Uh, and the family is all around James Ethan Hawke's characters who 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 is on his way out. He's dying. Yes. And what I was saying, like, I love that he he got got stabbed here, and then it sets up almost this crazy ending where like he dies thinking like everyone's safe uh-huh. my family's oh, yeah. safe and then he dies and like immediately after he dies the neighbors reveal that 
Oh, uh, you're not their purge victims. You're our purge victims. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. They're not here to rescue Yeah, the all. neighbors are basically like, well, once we saw your gates were down, we all decided to come kill you because we don't like you. Yeah, we, we took our money. You stole out, not yeah. stole, but they bought yeah. those things. I don't right. know why they're so mad. But. I know, right? Buyers did, he, did he force them to buy them? I, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> they're just jerks. Okay? Yeah. Rich jerks. <laughs> but I love, that, I love that he dies thinking his family is totally That's safe. True. And immediately. That. Yeah, immediately after that, like they're in the most dire straits. Like she, you know, they're getting tied up. They're all gonna like execute them right in the, the right in the thing. Um, they, the one they, they get taped up. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> let go of my. She's like, let go of my son. And the one guy's like, shut the hell up, Mary. I'll shoot him right now. I swear to God. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. And the, the, their plan is to like. I mean, they're, they're they're very much embodying like how the purge. Has almost this religious quality of like, oh no, we just need to get the hate out, and so their plan is to take turns stabbing them. Yeah, and they get in like a prayer circle and yeah. start going like, oh, thank you to the purge gods, or <laughs> yeah. blessed be the fruit, may the Lord yeah, open. Yeah, they start <laughs> saying some prayer, and you're like, what? It's, yeah, uh, and then uh, someone steps in to stop it. Does he have a name? No, no. no. <laughs> he goes by the bloody the stranger. stranger. <laughs> Who actually is a great guy, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the only character to show up in the other films. We don't know yet. We don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. We haven't watched... <laughs> what? No, no. No, <laughs> no it, that is really cool. So it turns out that he was actually a great guy. Yep. and uh, He helps uh, Mary subdue the neighbors, basically. And they actually don't... Uh, he kills one when he jumps on the yeah, scene. Yeah. But they don't kill the rest of them. And uh, we get this great sitting around the table for the waiting for the purge to I, end. I love this because she's like, "We are ending this night with no more violence." And I thought, like, "Oh, she's just gonna like let them go home." Right. But no, it cuts to a scene where they're all like having the most awkward Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I liked it because I was really like, "Oh, I see Cersei now," because she was like yeah. sitting there like at the table, like looking at everybody, making like really like dry comments you know <laughs> yeah and everyone's sitting there so awkward and yeah. like doesn't the one lady tries to the like, one lady tries to get one last chance in like, at her. yeah she lets her go down a little bit she has her hand on a shotgun yeah and the lady just tries to grab it and then she uh, shuts it down <laughs> immediately <laughs> uh hits her and then breaks her nose twice it appears like which is awesome yeah she's like i said no more violence with the, with the <laughs> and shotgun <laughs> and then slams her face into much like the pinball machine right into yeah. the yeah. table and she's sitting there like oozing blood out of her mouth like okay. I almost feel like it's the most <laughs> practical blood like, like there's it's a lot of blood yeah, and it's yeah. great it was pretty awesome we had one producer say cause she ends up spitting it out uh-huh. yeah. and he goes oh is she spitting a tooth out and I'm like no it's you know you put the blood in her mouth she's spitting the blood out is that a problem? Oh, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I for sure thought there was a tooth. a tooth. We could get a tooth. Yeah. <laughs> we mean, tooth. I could have sworn there was a tooth also. It must have been her fingernail looked like a tooth or something yeah, like yeah. that. Oh, that's so funny. It's funny when you test these films and, you know, like that character says there's no more violence. Uh-huh. Uh, especially at the end when, you know, when the guy has untied the family. Mm-hmm. And he's got the gun and he says, it's up to you, Mary. What do you want to do? And she says, we're done. No more violence. Right. You can hear people in the audience going, Shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot him. What are you doing? It's messed up. There's like yeah. this bloodlust. <laughs> so I'm actually really curious. It seems like that you did, you, did you go to some of the test screenings while, while it was happening? Oh, or? yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's part of the process. So you're, you're cutting the film. You get it mm-hmm. to a place where it feels good. And then you'll put it up in front of an audience. What was it like, just your first feature that way, of kind of getting that direct mm-hmm. feedback of, of being I in the really room enjoy them. Yeah. I really enjoy test screenings. It's, 
like I don't get on stage and tell jokes or play instruments. This is kind of how you can create things and then show it and like mm-hmm. present it to an audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I love the reactions. Yeah, it sounds like a really cool process of just like, oh, well, that's does that does that play the right way? Or maybe yeah. I can dial it up a little bit more. Like yeah. people aren't 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 you know make, gasping enough at that. Like maybe we can make that a little bit yeah. more intense. And when, so. when you see like a joke land or you see the scare and you can like you can watch the audience and they're grabbing the person next to them or hiding their face like it's it's exciting yeah they're like oh this is working this is they cool. make a reference in the uh behind the scenes yeah, feature about um how there was like an original cut of the film that was almost more like a satire and then they cut it to be <laughs> no i don't remember that. i don't remember i mean they oh, like okay. that. Yeah, I, yeah. The, there's a little behind the scenes feature out on the blu-ray and the oh. director or somebody i think says, it was like, the director there yeah. was a couple early cuts that were like too satirical so we had to dial it back yeah i guess some of that and more really hitting the commentary like the yeah. mm-hmm. commentary okay yes yeah, so, yeah, the, yeah there was some of that yeah yeah that's cool. Well, yeah, so the movie kind of comes to an end. Uh, they let everybody go back, and then um, we get this fun kind of like the credits start to roll as we yeah. hear like news reports of what happened at The Purge. Well, yeah. the, the Purge does start and stop with a really cool siren. Yeah. Do you know what the sound is on that? It's something that I found in a library. Wow. And we tried various sirens. And that one really stuck. Mm-hmm. And then it's super distinctive. Yeah. And then the sound. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. And then the sound department took it and really added this cool low end to it. Nice. So in a theater, it really like mm-hmm. it really hits. Um, the scene at the end, your Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So in the original cut, the two kids are at the table. Oh dang! And when we shot the scene with Ethan and at the pool table to make him a little more heroic. We then shot the bit where the kids are with him on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like the mother looks and they're kind of down the hall. So we couldn't then have them walk to the table. <laughs> right. So, But we had to keep that existing scene. So we had to remove angles that showed the kids. Oh, wow. And sometimes we were stuck, depending on the dialogue, we had to keep what we already had. So we had to like blow footage up or reposition it mm. to Dang. get them out of the frame. That's that was, amazing. Yeah, that's well, tricky. What was it shot on at the time? Uh, I believe on an Alexa. On Alexa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could still blow things up, but not as much fidelity as you have now for... I guess depending... Even then, like you could shoot, I think, like 5 or 6K. Okay. So, yeah. So there wasn't too much trouble kind of repositioning in that way? No. It wasn't an issue where we were nervous that, oh man, this is be all grainy yeah. and bizarre looking. Yeah. No, luckily, those cameras have a lot of light. Well, that's great. Yeah, you couldn't. You, I wouldn't have even known that that was a thing. Yeah, that he had yeah. to cut that together. Yeah, I know. With two kids behind his back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think there's a. So then the stranger leaves, and I think there's one shot where it's in essence from behind Mary's head of him exiting the house. It's actually Charlie's head from <laughs> older footage. That's funny. I should go back but, but and the watch. Silhouette that is similar enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, they yeah. both had really dark hair. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Huh, interesting. So over credits, you're talking about this audio clip kind of. Yeah, news. Uh, yeah. But, but like still more world building. It ends with more will. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Which is interesting. I was like, this whole movie, anytime there was like a news broadcast or people talking about what they do, like the neighbors are saying like, oh, yeah, we might stay in and watch some Purge events. I'm like, is there like TV shows on that are like. <laughs> it's like 4th of July. Yeah, like yeah, here's what's happening in New York world. during the Purge. It's oh like, God. I oh, just they- found that all endlessly fascinating and makes me want to see more. Like I, the one thing I'm sad about with this movie was that they didn't go enough into like, I don't know, life out 
outside during they, the purge. They, they do reveal that the city with the most pent-up violence is Dallas. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> like, 300 people in the town square yeah. of Dallas were all hacking at each other. But so, I, so that's where all that came from. That was a studio note that showed up the day before we delivered the film. Oh, what? my God. They called the director and said, kind of like you said, like, we've been indoors. Let's expand this. This is a nationwide event. Yeah. Let's hear about what happened around the country. So we quickly wrote... And I think the director and I recorded all this dialogue. We cut it together, made sure it could work. And um, once that got approved, we brought actors in the next morning. Wow. And recorded all that stuff and had the sound team put it together. And then we mixed it. And that was the last day. Wow. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a great way to like leave. It's a really good idea. Yeah, it leaves the, you know, the, the film kind of ends with like, oh, this family survived and they're kind of a little bit okay. Like one of them died, but then it lets you like sit with like, oh, but wait, like all these people died and the credits start and you're just sitting there listening to this news broadcast and you're like, wow, shit. So when you guys were <laughs> writing those, did you have any inkling because it, like that there could be a sequel or leading into it? Because there's, there's a line in there about, uh, you know, I used to believe in the purge, but then I lost my two sons. And, I think that's the final line. And I don't believe it there. anymore. And that, yeah. it feels like it's leading right into a sequel but knowing now that there are sequels i don't know if at the time when you guys were doing it at the last minute were you just trying to write some things that, that no we we at one time we had a graphic that said 364 days until the next purge uh-huh. hmm. but then that just felt kind of funky but no i mean we, we all we're very excited there's sequels sure but yeah in the moment you don't know yeah. that yeah. it will but luckily the test audience were, were really responding yeah, there is that one line where like the newscaster is like, "Well, it's gonna be 364 long days to the purge." Like she was like, <laughs> like bummed that it was so yeah. far away. <laughs> I was like, 364 Dang. days till Christmas, you <laughs> yeah. know that kind of thing. It's oh like, yeah, Ooh. what are we gonna do in the meantime? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, the newscaster also does specifically say that the stocks for more security systems and guns yeah. have yeah. gone through the roof yeah. overnight, which makes sense. Yeah, uh, the invisible hand of the tape lobby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I'm, after the film comes out and ends up being more successful than people thought, right? Like, what was all of that kind of hype after, like for you? Oh, it was great. Like, just even winning the opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, things you, you're not sure about, especially like a smaller, it's almost slightly counter-programming type film mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer mm-hmm. when it's wall-to-wall blockbuster films. Like, yeah. You're not entirely sure, but Universal was really smart where they placed it. And, uh, yeah, when it hit. Yeah, it was really exciting. Great. Yeah, and as we know, it's become a huge phenomenon. There's a fourth movie coming in a couple yeah. weeks. And this movie, uh, I think the Wikipedia says it was like a $3 million budget and made $83 million <laughs> at the box office. Something like that. Uh, so that yes. is amazing for you know Blumhouse and everybody involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, Universal. Universal has the purge often at their Halloween horror nights. Yes, now. they've been through it several yeah. times. <laughs> and I've heard people say it on like different talk shows and either and even in other like movies or TV shows, they'll make a joke about the purge. Yeah, yeah. it's funny it's how it's almost like part of the vernacular. Yeah, it's, totally. it's in the zeitgeist. It's, it's like it's, it's something so that's, cool. that's that's what I'm saying about the concept. It's just like a such yeah. a yes, instantly absolutely. amazing absolutely. concept. Even people that purge. never saw any of the movies know the basic yep. concept. Of they'll know what the purge is, legal, and, yeah. and that's what worked in the test screenings. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to these, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like they'll have the focus group at the end, and they'll say, "Who here?" thinks this concept works. Right. And every hand goes up. Mm. Yeah. And then the marketing team goes, okay, we can sell that because we have a concept that 
is really inter- like exciting and engaging to people. Yeah. It really is my favorite type of film, as, as listeners and people who's podcast know. John Carpenter is my favorite filmmaker, and these really kind of mean, you know, lean, cheaper films that have a message, that have a lot of action and, and have something to say and don't make a lot of compromises in terms of, of storytelling and, and really... They exist in a budget where you can make bold choices and, and do things. They're they're my favorite type of movies to watch, and and it's probably one of the more recent examples of of that formula being successful. And you, not a lot of movies get to do that anymore. And and I'd love to see more movies like this because it's just it's it's my favorite type. Of movie. Yeah. Well, luckily there's three more for us to watch. <laughs> uh, before we move on to some of our end of episode stuff, was there anything else that you wanted to say about a specific part of this movie or any memories from the production? Uh, nothing specific. I think you guys covered it really well. Great. We're really excited to be a part of that team. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Uh, well, as we like to do, we like to give the uh, film a little ranking at the end to give our the thoughts a little last uh, touch here. And uh, Pete, if you don't want to participate, that's totally fine. Um, but <laughs> how many bloody strangers out of ten oh. would you give this movie? <laughs> I give this movie eight bloody strangers. Nice. All right. Uh, I'm going to give this movie uh, six bloody strangers. <laughs> you know, I was going to do like a half, but now that we've personified the ranking, I can't cut a person <laughs> in half. You can't have a person. Yeah. Hey, buddy's so, a stranger. Uh, Whatever. It's, no, the, it's the purge. I'm not in the purge. Okay. <laughs> so it gets rounded up to eight bloody <laughs> strangers. Nice. 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 All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was a great start to the franchise. And I mean, it definitely does the job of making me want to see more and mainly learn more about the purge and just like, I want to, I'm a mythology guy. So I'm like, yeah, I want to, yeah. I want to learn more about how it was devised and, and what happens, like what are, what's happening like out in the world? What's it like to be stuck outside with, during the purge or something yeah. like that is something I would love to see coming up. So do we have any predictions for the second one? Purge anarchy, right? Yeah. yeah. The purge anarchy. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be an entire neighborhood fighting against gentrification where they burn down <laughs> all uh, ramen shops and yoga places and take back their neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see a battle royale style, yeah. uh, the video game thing I'm talking about, not the movie, uh, where a hundred people drop in <laughs> out of a helicopter On or something yeah. and they fight to the death. <laughs> You want to see a hundred Japanese students go out? No, I'm not saying? talking about the movie, but yeah, it's a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, thing. I'll guess just based on the title with the word anarchy being in there, maybe something goes wrong with the purge, like someone doesn't follow the rules or something. Class yeah. ten yeah. politicians back on the menu. That's yeah, maybe, right. Maybe. That's right. Yeah, okay. That'd be crazy. Um, I think so. We're kind of wrapping up on the purge talk, and I want to. Talk about we're talking about uh, just just editing, and we have this great guest, and I want to talk about Justin. One of Justin and I's favorite film experiences in the past few years. Yes. Justin and I got to uh, we go to Beyond Fest every year, and they cool. did a screening of Autopsy of Jane mm. Doe. Oh yeah, and yeah. It was we we were blown away by the film, and it was if you, I don't know if you've been to that festival before in no. that room, but it is all it, these horror nerds, and it is some of the most fun screenings. Yeah. And that screening, everybody went nuts. For yeah, that, that was movie, a very and fun it was film to work so with. much fun, and so we just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, just working on that film, kind of know it knows so well of what type of film it's playing with, and it plays with expectations in a way that's so smart. And if you just want to talk a little bit about that project, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, uh, I was brought in to help Andre out with that film, and it was 
you know, it was kind of, it's, it's a slower film mm -hmm. and it's designed that way. And he was very meticulous with making it real. Yeah. So he wanted the autopsy to be real. And it's not gory to be gory. It's yeah. to show you what these guys really do. Uh huh. So it's building this father-son relationship and then really showing you what an autopsy is and then twisting it and mm -hmm. turning it into like this really interesting mystery of who she is and adding little supernatural elements. Did you find that like your work on The Purge where it was kind of like a singular location really helped with the autopsy of Jane Doe? Because it's also kind of like you're in the mortuary yeah, yeah. and I, I these never, confined rooms. I didn't think of those things. Mm, um, yeah. it, it may have seeped in, but <laughs> I treat each project individually. Nice. And it's, it's what the script is. It's what Andre shot. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think film is a director's medium. Mm -hmm. So I'm here to help him get his vision on the screen. Cool. Okay. But yeah. Uh, I guess the, there's a similarity. Uh, yeah, uh, I was just thinking about contained that. <laughs> in a building. I feel like that there's there, there's two like there, there's both these movies have this kind of nucleus scene, and I think the autopsy in that one it really shows you you know it's 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 gore, but it's also like the the thesis of that whole sequence is that it's a violent world and violent things happen, and it's kind of the same in the in the scene where they're where they're taping the bloody stranger and like they kind of are these thesis. So the, they, the whole movie and everything that it's about is kind of in those scenes and the way that you construct them, uh, they, they're, they're so clear and, and delicate and it's, it's really fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, while we're on the subject of you and your work, what did you go on to do next after The Purge and what have been some of your favorite projects since then and is there anything recent you want to plug? Yeah, I couldn't pick a favorite. I've been really fortunate mm -hmm. and I've worked with like insanely talented people on interesting stories. Uh, after The Purge, I did a film, Dark Skies, mm. with the Blumhouse team mm -hmm. again. Um, I've done some TV pilots, uh, Shannara. I recently did one for Freeform called Siren. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, yeah. After Autopsy, I did a film with McG called The Babysitter, uh -huh. which is now on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> and then I did a film called Polaroid for Dimension, which mm. hasn't released yet. Yes. And I'm currently working with New Line on a film called The Children. Oh, nice. sweet. Yeah. Very Sorry. cool. Uh, was there any place that people can uh, keep track of what you're up to or any social things you want to plug? Nothing social, but okay. IMDb would be okay. the, Great. That'd be yeah. the easiest way to follow. Go see Polaroid when it comes out. That trailer yeah, cool. also oh, definitely okay. watch the autopsy of Jane, Jane Doe. Doe. Yeah, <laughs> if you had no idea what they were talking about for the last five minutes, uh, it was great. And Justin screened it at his horror movie That's night. That's right. So right. A big old group of us watched yeah. it. <laughs> Don't look up spoilers. Just watch it. Just it's, watch it. Yeah. It's so great. So great. The experience <laughs> is awesome. Um, well, yeah, why don't we uh, wrap things up a bit here? Uh, Pete, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, yeah really fun talking. Uh, My it has pleasure. been awesome. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, you know, we'll see everybody uh, next week. But before that, Eliz, where can people keep in touch with us? Yeah, you can always email us, sequelrights at gmail.com, if you have any questions or suggestions for future franchises. And then you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at sequelrights. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Overwatch or wherever you listen to us. And we'll see you guys next week for The Purge Anarchy. Mm -hmm.